0: Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Tuesday, August the 9th and our top story today is that two teenagers who filmed themselves punching a man and kicking him in the head in Dover have avoided being sent to prison. 19-year-olds Tyler Hart from Sydney Street in Folkestone and George McGee from Longfield Road in Dover carried out the late night attack outside the Premier Store on Pencester Road in February last year. Our reporter Shaw Sean Axtell was in court to hear the case and joins me now. So firstly, Sean, can you tell us in more detail what happened?
1: Well, Tyler Hart drew his phone and hit the record button as his friend George McGee squared up to their rival, Storm Kennedy. McGee then repeatedly punched Mr Kennedy in the head. He was trying to defend himself while blocking and retreating as he went. But Mr Kennedy tripped over Hart's moped, which was laying on the pavement. And as soon as he hit the floor, both of the teens set upon him.
0: And the footage was played in court, wasn't it?
1: Yes. We saw footage taken from Hart's phone, where he could be heard shouting, Say when, George, or words similar, as McGee repeatedly lashed out at his victim. Uh, CCTV from the shop showed Mr Kennedy then falling to the floor. When both the 17-year-olds repeatedly landed kicks to his head and to his neck, The court heard a passerby managed to break up the attack before the assailants fled the scene, only for the police to soon trace them. We didn't hear about the complete extent of Mr Kennedy's injuries as he didn't support the prosecution. However, it was said he suffered some degree of bruising and swelling at the hands of his attackers.
0: Can you tell us how the pair were caught?
1: Well, Hart's number plate led him straight into the hands of the police. His moped was registered in his own name to his own home address, where officers would later discover him some weeks later. And bear in mind, quite a bit of time had passed by this point when the police finally knocked on his door. And bizarrely, then, he still had the footage of the attack stored on his mobile phone.
0: Finally, Sean, what did the judge say and what sentences were handed down?
1: Judge Rupert Lowe told the duo, the law offers you protection whether you're a nice person or not. That is how a civilised society works. And if everyone behaved like you behaved, this place would be a jungle and nobody would want to live here. But he said they won't be going to jail at the moment because they were just 17 at the time of the attack. Now, when offenders are classed as minors, the British justice system puts more weight on trying to rehabilitate offenders than it does punishing them. So Kennedy and Hart were handed 12-month community orders where they must complete 25 days with the probation service, 150 hours of unpaid work, and they must pay compensation worth £350.
0: Sean, thank you ever so much. You can also read this story on the website. Kent Online News. A teenager who died at a fun fair in Dover has been described by his mum as her beautiful special boy. Mackenzie Croxford-Cook was found at the site in Pencester Gardens last Wednesday morning. The 14-year-old went to Goodwin Academy and is said to have enjoyed maths and science. The ride involved wasn't operating at the time and was removed, with organisers saying they're deeply saddened by what happened. A murder investigation is underway after a Gravesend woman was found dead in the Caribbean Diana Theodore's body was discovered at her home in St Lucia at the weekend. The 72-year-old environmental campaigner was involved in conservation projects on the island. A man and woman have been attacked and their pet mauled to death by a dog near Whitstable. The two were walking their dogs in the drive in Chessfield last week and suffered cuts and bite marks. One of their dogs suffered such serious injuries it later died. Well, no one's been arrested and we're told the dog which attacked the group has not been put down. At Kent Online today you can see a picture of a man police are hunting after a teenage girl was sexually assaulted at Rochester railway station. It happened last month as the victim was waiting on the platform and a man sat down next to her. He made inappropriate comments before assaulting her. Now next today we're going to be hearing from a dad from Sittingbourne who shares custody of his son and has criticised what he claims is a sexist policy when it comes to organising school travel. 11-year-old Mark Milo lives equally with his parents but in different houses and needs to go to a specialist school in Cranbrook. The council provides transport for children with additional needs but John Corley-Greenaway says his circumstances haven't been taken into consideration. He's been speaking to our reporter, Megan.
2: We live in a blended family, five children in total. One of the children, Milo, lives 50% with us and 50% with his mother. Um, the council have told us that they won't pay for him to have a taxi or contribute to his transport to his new secondary school, which is a, a specialist school in Cranbrook, for Sittingbourne. but they will do it from his mother's house. They would only do it for transport for one parent and it's normally the parent that is closest to the school and receives the child benefit. I feel it's a bit unfair because He he lives equally with us, so what's the difference? Um, From what I understand also, talking to other parents from children who are actually going to that school, they are getting transport from here, because obviously they are the primary parents, as KCC calls it. There's going to be a minibus going to the school. Why can't he have a seat?
3: Why does Milo have to go to Cranbrook?
2: Milo has autism, and it has been decided that he needs a specialist school for
3: secondary level do you feel that the council's policy kind of singles out um you know single dads and the part of a separation do you think because normally statistically the benefit does go to the mother do you think this circumstance does single out dads
2: yeah i think it does um you know normally the mothers after separation will keep the child benefit and this is what they call their gateway benefit um so yeah yeah it,
3: it is. And what would you what would you want to see, what do you want the council to do about this, what's the easiest outcome?
2: To allow him on a taxi or whatever going to Cranbrook. The, the half the time is at his mother, he has a taxi from there, half the time he's here, he has a taxi or whatever from, from, here to, from here to the school. I can't see what difference it actually makes to the council. If he was at his mother's full time, they told me they would give him a taxi full time from his mother's. So, what's the difference?
3: And if his mum lived in Sittingbourne and you lived in Tunbridge and Sittingbourne was still further but she got the child benefit, are you under the impression that he would be able to get a taxi from
4: Sittingbourne?
2: There was no question about it. Children from, from Sittingbourne are going on a taxi or minibus from here. From what I understand, to all our parents, they've already been told they are going to get transport but the transport hasn't been arranged at this point. So there's plenty of time for, him to, for it to actually be arranged for Milo to, to be transported over there with the other children.
0: Well, an email from a KCC transport assistant was sent to Milo's parents. This is what it said. Unfortunately, we do not provide transport from two addresses, even if a parent has a court order like the one you have issued. Once the application has been processed, if it has been correctly submitted, we would require the request to be made if it wasn't mentioned on the application. If it's a refusal, which I imagine it would be, it would need to be officially appealed. Well, we've also had a statement from the council. This is what it says. The process for SEND home to school transport on fifty-fifty residency is that we would consider assessments on a case-by-case basis. A request has to be formally made for this before we consider an individual's circumstances. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A number of industrial units, caravans and other vehicles have been destroyed in a blaze in Dartford. Eight fire engines were called to Birchwood Road near Stanhill. Hill Farm yesterday afternoon. Witnesses reported hearing explosions from gas canisters. Crews were still there last night. Kent's police and crime commissioners announced he's backing Rishi Sunak to be the next Tory leader and Prime Minister. Matthew Scott's posted on socials that he thinks the former chancellor's plan to tackle crime will make neighbourhoods safer. The result of the ballot between him and Liz Truss will be announced next month. The owner of a Kent animal rescue centre is urging people to stop mass balloon releases because of the danger they pose to horses. Now the boss of Spirits Rest, Horse and Animal Sanctuary in Dartford, say a number of her animals were recently spooked by a balloon which had got into their stables. Christine Bates is urging people to consider other ways of celebrating or paying tribute so it doesn't endanger wildlife. Meantime, there are calls for drivers to be more respectful of people riding horses in Kent amid claims very few are slowing down. One rider in the county says she's now Invested in video technology to catch speeding motorists and will then hand the footage to police. She's urging drivers to slow to 10 miles per hour or wait until the horse and rider are able to leave the road. Kent Online reports. Another amber warning for extreme heat has been issued for Kent as our long, hot summer continues. It'll be in force across most of the county from Thursday until Sunday. A Level 3 heat health alert has also been activated as temperatures are likely to reach the mid-30s later this week. A Folkestone mum's been given permission to keep a fence around her baby's grave following a battle with the council. Little Ava died during a difficult birth in July last year and has been laid to rest at Hawkins. Centre. Her mum Holly says she's over the moon with the decision. Bosses in Maidstone are calling for a change to Operation Brock on the M20 because of the disruption it's causing. The council leader says the contraflow system and speed restriction is not a long-term solution to border control issues and they can't tolerate it becoming the new normal. Well, a survey's been launched to find out how residents and businesses there are being affected. Derelict land in Ashford that's currently prone to fly tipping and antisocial behaviour could be turned into a new housing estate. Bosses want to develop the overgrown site on East Mead Avenue. There are plans to create 35 affordable homes, a small number of commercial units for start-up businesses and a parkland area with trees and water features. And finally today archaeologists are hoping to find the remains of a German rocket that landed near Maidstone during the Second World War. Six people were injured and 100 homes damaged when it exploded in a field in Yalding back in 1944. Well a Due to get underway next week, so experts can look for fragments and it'll be open to the public.
1: Kent Online Sports.
0: Plenty of sport again today, and the Kent Online podcast has been catching up with some of our Commonwealth athletes after the Games came to a close last night. Grace Ballston was part of the England hockey team that won gold after beating Australia at the weekend. The 29-year-old from Canterbury is hoping to inspire the next generation. You know, the
3: last couple of years, we really haven't had any spectators to our Games um, because of the restrictions, and it's just been fantastic to have it here in Birmingham um, in front of a whole cr- home crowd. Um, when we walk out through that tunnel it's just been a wall of noise just hits you um, and it's been like the support the crowd everyone has been so amazing the volunteers everyone has made this game really really special
0: We've seen um, from the Lionesses how they're trying to really raise the profile of sport amongst girls and, and really push for equal opportunities, what do you think this means for hockey now moving forward and getting more youngsters into the game?
3: Yeah, I just hope that there's a young girls sat at home um, who've watched you know, many sports here at the Commonwealth Games and just thought maybe one day I can do that, I can be there on a the, on the podium um, and that's inspired them to kind of find a club, um, start things at school that they haven't given a chance um, and, you know, we can... All together in women's sport, we can just inspire the next generation to really, you know, believe and dream that they can achieve
0: anything they want to. And of course, you are another Kent athlete uh, winning a medal at the Commonwealth Games. There's an awful lot of Kent stars there. What does it mean for you bringing that medal back to the county?
3: Oh, you know, um, it's just very special. Um, I'm truly honoured to be part of this team. And, yeah, winning a gold here has just been the most amazing experience I could have asked for. Um, Yeah, and I'm excited to bring it home to friends and family and, you know, just celebrating the moment because, you know, it's really for everyone um, sharing that, this moment, this achievement. And, yeah, I can't wait to see people when I get back. And what's next for you? Do you get to have a little bit of a break at all? (laughs) We have, I think... Uh, a week and a half and we've got another tournament up in Durham so um, we've got a European A qualification tournament, um, which will be up in Durham in a couple of weeks.
0: And of course, as many of us, I'm sure, will remember Team GB winning gold at the Olympics. Now there's a gold medal for, for Team England. What more can hockey achieve? You're doing incredibly well.
3: Yeah, um, we talked about creating history as we came into uh, the Commonwealth Games, you know, being here. with a different team. Um, and this is the first medal that this team has won. And so we just kind of you know, hope that we can build on that as um, we'll be kicking off into G- Team GB stuff um, with our training back in September. So, you know, we'll be really trying to Build on the momentum we have built over this summer um, and putting that into a GB perspective, and hopefully we can achieve big things.
0: We've also been speaking to para table tennis star Ross Wilson. The 27-year-old from Sheppey went into the games as defending champion. He admits it didn't quite go to plan, but was delighted to come away from Birmingham with a bronze.
4: It was quite like an emotional experience where it was it was almost it, it was a lot harder I think than I thought. I I thought I was going to enjoy it a lot um, and not not really stress that much um but then going there things didn't go my way very much at the beginning and um you know i really had to knuckle down really really dig deep i I just had to use all my grit and determination to to keep going until the very end and um you know, fortunately for me, it came, it came, I came, I've come away with a bronze medal and I'm, I'm really proud of myself for that.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you did go into the game's defending champion. Do you think perhaps that was playing on your mind more than you realised then before you went to the game?
4: This time around, it's uh, I, I lost out to my, my doubles partner um, who, who played really well and uh, sometimes it's just not your day and uh, I think when you're playing mm-hmm. those people, who you practice with day in, day out as well. It's always a lot closer because you know each other's games so well and um, it, it just wasn't my day that day.
0: Well, another medal for you to add to your tally and by the looks of it, a wonderful welcome home to Kent. What's it been like coming back?
4: It's, it's really special. My girlfriend's done all of this for me. I, I really didn't expect it. Um, to be honest, I think I've been so, I've been so caught up in... And just focused really on on everything that's been going on at, at the games that uh, to come back is you know it's it's such a nice thing to come back to to Earth well that's what it feels like anyway and um, you know just just be able to experience this with with everyone back home now.
0: Now, as far as the competition was concerned, table tennis and para table tennis were running simultaneously at the same time. How did you find that?
4: Yeah, it was the same in the Gold Coast as well, and. Um, I mean I've I've grown up with a lot of the, a lot of the able bodied team as well and um I th- I just think it's it's a really good event you know it's it's something that we can then go through together because I have like grown up alongside them as well so um it was a fantastic learning curve for me I think and uh I hope it I hope to go to another one
0: it's been suggested that that might not happen at the Olympics for quite some time. But is it something that you would like to see at future games? I'm
4: not sure, really. I, I think I think the Paralympics and Olympics can can change a little bit. You know, they they are different event, events in a kind of a lot of different ways. Where you have like the Olympics and the Paralympics, you'll you'll, you'll just see a lot of differences where people are still trying to um, you know they're just doing their absolute best for me personally i think it's quite a nice thing that they are separate events as you know it gives more people um just kind of more to support i guess it's it's like when when so much is happening at once sometimes you can't appreciate so i th- i think um when they are kind of stretched out uh, over two different games it's it's nice to be able to, to watch all the different sports.
0: On to tennis now. And Kent's Emma Rajikanu insists she's not feeling any added expectation as she prepares to defend her US Open title. The British number one from Orpington has struggled with an injury this year. And the 19-year-old says the only burdens put onto her are by the media.
3: What I put on myself and what I expect from myself, I think that's the biggest thing that determines how you deal with it, how you feel. But also, more of it is just like, I only feel the pressure or think about it whenever I'm in my press conferences because every single question is about pressure.
0: Football Now and Gillingham are getting their Carabao Cup campaign underway tonight. They're heading to AFC Wimbledon in the opening round after losing to the same opponents on the first day of the League Two season. Jill's manager Neil Harris is hoping to get a better result this time around. I'd love to do
4: well in the Carabao Cup and, and we'll go to try and win the game. Um, but we're thinking is managing the players that I can manage. Um, so changes to the team, definitely. Um, some players
1: that haven't featured get getting opportunity.
0: Kick-off tonight is at 7.45. We'll have details of the result in bulletins on our sister radio station, KMFM, first thing tomorrow morning. Cricket and Kent Sam Billings is captaining the England Lions as they take on South Africa in Canterbury. The four-day match is taking place at the Spitfire Ground, St Lawrence. And a new running track has opened at Ashford's Julie Rose Stadium. £300,000 has been spent on doing up the facility, which first opened in 1997. An indoor area and throwing cage is also going to be updated. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. All you need to do is subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust.